Hello and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you to season four of the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post workout late night meals. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. And if you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me and you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is the pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training, and you can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. We're kicking off Season 4 strong this morning with Stacey Bama Burr, the best in the world and a personal friend of mine. A world record holder, head coach of Bama Brick Squad, host of the Champion Mindset Podcast, and the owner of Hyperion Sports Nutrition, Stacy is determined to continue making a wide-reaching and lasting impact on the fitness community. Never too busy to help someone trying to better themselves, Bama has done everything in her power to eliminate the quote-unquote elite athlete unapproachability stigma and has had a blast doing it. You don't want to miss a single minute of this season four premiere as we talk LGBTQ plus encouragement, the importance of personal faith, and why every dog is a good dog. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Bama, what is going on? What's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing all right. I just got in from Raleigh uh, the other day, went on for a little bit of a road trip, wanted to go see my sister. And so just got back uh, in town last night at like 11 o'clock. So I'm tired, but I'm excited to get this interview done. Well, see, I've heard this thing that if you don't talk about being tired, it makes it so it's not real. So I'm just true. That one out there. If you don't talk about it, it's not real. So I'll say I'm not tired anymore. I was kidding. Yeah, I'm wide awake. I'm not tired at all. I'm rested, you know. <laughs> Well, um, you know, people may uh, know who you are already as Stacey Bama Burr, best in the world. So, of course, I have to say congratulations. Last year is a big year for you. I know a lot has happened for you. You've launched a company. You've launched a podcast. You've got a team going. It feels like a million things have happened for you in the last year. How are you feeling in the wake of all that to just be in the beginning of all this new stuff? It's really, it's really exciting, and I love that because – while I was training, while I was competing, the biggest thing for me is I love being challenged. I love just really meeting the needs of every single day and working towards something. The, for me, the uh, training company, that's something I launched in 2016. So I've really been working on that, adding team members and everything like that. And that's just like my client base. So I have clients that are powerlifting specific, some that have done some shows, some that are just routine, normal people that just have fitness goals. So I've been working on that, adding to my roster over the years. So I've been working remotely since 2016 since Mm -hmm. everything happened with the coronavirus and everything a lot of trainers they kind of lost their groove but this has been my wheelhouse for a long time because i realized that there's a bigger you know audience out there so just reaching those people that's really the biggest thing that i say has been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun because with training and competing no longer on my necessary like immediate future I stepped back from that because I wanted to take the things that I'd learned in my experiences and turn them into something of value, right? So that's what I did with really trying to push hard with the training company and the podcast that came out with the Champion Mindset podcast. And that's just, honestly, it's been something I've been working on for a long time. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to put it in action because I've always had these dreams and aspirations of being a motivational speaker. Not necessarily, you know, I'm strong. I'm a power lifter. That's great. But I did the powerlifting in order to basically check something off a list. I said I wanted to be the best in the world, and I did it, right? I did it through application, through work. And so basically it was to prove a point that you could do anything you put your mind to. So that's just the background information and what really brought to light the Champion Mindset podcast. You know, I have the credentials now to say that I am the best in the world, and this is how I did it. And so I'm just really trying to share that with other people and sharing my knowledge with other people. That's the thing that really makes me the happiest. So the past year has been a ton of new experiences, 
but it's really just been adapting and figuring out how to make the biggest impact possible. And it's been a ton of fun. Uh, the supplement company is something that I've been kind of working with for a while too. I used to work at the vitamin shop, GNC's kind of stuff, and I just love researching products. You kind of know me a little bit. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd just like <laughs> just a kind of jack one, right? And so I'd work at the vitamin shop and I'd just read. I'd read a ton. I'd look at all the different labels and I'd say, oh, you know, try things out. I like this. I don't like this. And one of the things in the supplement industry I'm not really a fan of is just the corruption of everything behind that. I'm trying to promote and push a product for my own agenda. And I wanted to make products that were things people you would actually use, things that people can stand behind. And it's not just about pushing this so I can get some money. It's a basically a side additional thing that this will help you if you're doing all the other right things mm-hmm. and try out my supplement. And so that just puts, you know, honesty at the forefront of the fitness industry. And that's not necessarily something that is popular at all. So I'm just doing a lot of these things and it's definitely new for me. It's definitely a challenge. And this year so far, last year was great, but this year so far has been a challenge in itself. And it's just been all about with these new tactics and with these new things that I'm doing, how to make them work in a different world. And so that's, I asked for a challenge and I got one. So I'm really excited for it because the harder things are for me or the more challenging things are, the better I get. And I just remember that because that's what I learned through training. The harder and heavier stuff got, the stronger I became whenever I, you know, continually did it. So mm-hmm. it's just applying that same mindset to your life. And that's where I'm at currently. Yeah. Well, and I know the the official launch of your supplement company, Hyperion, was supposed to be at the Arnold. And I know everyone, I was getting super pumped for the Arnold because I was like, man, like last year when I first went, I still remember the first time I ever met you. <clears throat> I thought about wearing it. I had this Redskins hoodie on. I was having everybody sign. And I was like, Bama, you got to sign it. And so you signed it. And I turned away just assuming you were to go interact with the next person. And I literally just hear, you're really not going to dap me up. And I turn around and I'd left you hanging. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, first impression, I totally left you hanging. So I was like, this year, I was like, I'm going to know everyone. I've competed a few times. I was like, this can be big. And then as we know, thanks to Corona, the Arnold just didn't happen in the same capacity it was going to. So as you've you know, continued to push it anyway, it looks like you've still had a great deal of success with the company. What does it look like to market in a in an entirely different launch when you weren't really able to meet those same expectations you were hoping to? It's complicated. I mean, and it takes a lot of adjustment. It takes pivoting. If you have this plan, and it's kind of like training, right? If you have this hard line in set in place and you have these timelines, this is when I expect to do this. You're planning, you're promoting, and if that doesn't happen, because the Arnold was going to be our big launch. We, were, we had a ton of product and everything basically for that day, you know, the weekend mm-hmm. of the Arnold. And we ordered enough so that way we wouldn't sell out. It was going to be kind of one of those things, right? Going all in on it. And then we didn't have that option. And I still don't think we've gotten our like booth back, you know, the booth money back, any of the expenses that we had with that. It was a big L. But instead of being sad and crying about how big of an L it was, you just have to take a pivot with it. And so I got creative. I got creative in trying to market and sell things because at the Arnold, what we were relying on is foot traffic. We're relying on foot traffic and seeing more and more people and having people in front of my face being like, oh, my God, you're Stacey, this is your product. And they mm-hmm. associate everything with that. And they associate the positive interactions they have with me with what I'm selling and promoting. And so since we have kind of cut off human interaction for a lot of this time since March, it's been quite complicated because mm-hmm. the seminars and things. That's one of the reasons I do the seminars and it's not necessarily the most monetary, like it's not the best, right? I don't make a ton of ton of money whenever I go give the seminars. I just actually enjoy it. I love it. And then if I'm promoting something else, you know, supplements or shirts or anything like that, it's very helpful with just growing the brand. And since the seminars have stopped, it pretty much every avenue that I had in order to do this, I kind of it put a hold on it, right? And so for probably I'll say a day or two, maybe a week here and there, something like that. You know, I'm trying to pull out my hair. I think that's why I disappeared a little bit. (laughs) I'm just trying to pull out my hair and I don't know what to do. But instead of sitting there and just complaining about it or being sad because this didn't work out the way I planned, I really just tried a counter approach, something that was a little bit different with, you know, social media is huge. So if you can, you know, promote on social media, if you can promote and have better content, Uh, with videography, photography, anything along those lines, instead of relying on that in-person connection, 
you have to figure out a different way to do it. And so that's really what I've been relying on now is since I can't be there in person and actually, hey, try my product, work on it online and try to get yourself, you know, in the local audience as you can too. So starting out there, it wasn't necessarily what I planned for or hoped for. But the thing is, success will always come to the people that are continually trying to do new things. And so even if I fail, I mean, I don't really know what failure means in this sense, right? You start out something, even if it doesn't work out the way you plan, I'm not going to fail at this. So I've I've received success because I'm continually trying to figure out ways that will work. And through finding ways that work, you find ways that don't work as well, but it's just a process and just keep on moving. And you can't get your feelings hurt too bad because if you sit there and pout about it, it's not going to make it any better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, with that, you've obviously managed to establish a name for yourself, but other than establishing it, you've managed to keep it there. Uh, And and I chatted with Ed Cohen about this a couple of weeks ago on a very similar platform of of what it takes to become the best, but not only become the best, but stay there. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder in that, you know, what have you found to be most effective other than really just saying, Hey, I'm not going to sit down and mope. I'm just going to keep doing it. What have you found has been most successful for you in not only taking that title of best in the world, but saying, you know, this is my brand now. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to continue to encourage people. What is what has really worked for you? Doing it. I mean, that's the biggest thing is just doing it. And I've tried to stay unique, uh, like honest, authentic to myself and staying the best in the world necessarily like as numerical at the top of the charts or whatever that looks like. Mariana, she's a monster. You know, she jumped off right behind me. It wasn't about necessarily holding records or numbers like that. It was proving a point that if you want something bad enough, you can get it with any. Oh, there's an amount of work. There's a finite amount of work that will help you at- attain that goal. And so that's with life. That's with everything. You have to continually set goals and then accomplish them, achieve them, and keep moving forward. If you're not setting goals, if you're not making smart goals you're not going to go anywhere, right? So I could say, okay, I made it to the top of the mountain. I'm just going to sit here and watch, or you can find another mountain to climb. And so that's been something with me. And there's definitely been a lot of self-discovery and self-awareness. I've really figured out who I am and what it takes to be the best and to stay the best. Because think about these challenges. I thought that, you know, squatting 565 pounds was hard. I thought that was a challenge. But I rose to the occasion then. So this is just a different situation, but the same kind of scenario. How do you stay the best? By continuing to do what the best do. You continually learn. You continue to pivot. You continue to figure out ways to fail. You figure out ways that are going to help make you better and whatever that whatever that looks like to you. And I mean, staying relevant. I'm still training. I'm still training hard. And I'm still coaching. I'm still teaching. Um, One of the things that I've started recently, I realized that I wasn't challenging myself mentally as much as I normally do. And so I started driving down like three hours to go train with Trevor, my old coach, Trevor Jaffe. Uh, We went down, I'll go down to Port St. Lucie and I'll just ask questions. I'll sit there, we'll read books together. We'll, I'll ask him questions. We'll train together and I'll say, Hey, what do you think about this? And so just having that like that stimulus, having someone that knows a little bit more than me, surrounding myself with that that's what keeps you the best that's what keeps you sharp the same thing that made you the best that's what's going to continue to you know in your life if you let it it just looks a little bit different you know as you progress and as your life changes the situation might look a little bit different but the actions that it takes to get there and to stay there they're the same yeah that's good stuff because i think especially in the fitness industry it's such a an industry of self, right? Like it, it's so self promotion. It's about me, and obviously, bodybuilding. You're oiling up your body, wearing a little mankini, and then flexing. You know, so it's it's a very self thing, which is great. But there there's not much outward focus on learning and gaining. It's easy to become think to yourself, man. I like there, there's nobody better than me. There's nobody higher up. Like I, I've learned all there is to learn. And that's, I think where we see these people become flash in the pans where they're there for two or three years and they just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as you look ahead and obviously you're, you're coaching, I mean, you're doing a million things as you work with kind of this next generation of lifters, these next people that are looking to become the best to become top tier lifters. What's, what's the goal? I guess, what's the end goal? Is it, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to phrase the question, but you know, I hope you know where I'm getting at here. What's, what's the end goal at all? Well, I'll, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because the last time I actually went down to Port St. Lucie, I had someone who's, you know, a elite level lifter and she saw me training with Trevor and she saw me asking these questions. I was pulling sumo 
And I was just really, that's not something I've ever been technically sound at, to mm-hmm. be honest here. Like, I could rip off, I think I've, the best I've ever pulled sumo is maybe 495, something along those lines, but it wasn't pretty. You know, I know <laughs> it's for doing things correctly. I just did them because I could manhandle the weight. And I, you know, trained myself to do that. Mm-hmm. So one of my biggest focuses now is learning because I can't tell an athlete, okay, we'll just walk up to the bar and manhandle it because. Here's the thing. Not a lot of people have the same type of ability that I have. And so one of those things is being able to be a more effective communicator, being able to be a better coach. And that takes learning and perfecting and mastering that skill. So I'm sitting here on the floor at the gym and I was asking Trevor these questions about pull and sumo and position. And this elite lifter that I was talking to, we we previously competed together before. Um, She looked at me and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? And she was like, well, what are you doing down here? And when's your next competition? And I told her, I was like, I don't really have any competitions planned. I don't plan to compete ever again, really. It's just not, I did what I wanted to do. And now my goal is to help others. And she was just really confused for a second. She was like, okay, so you're not competing. She's like, so what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just trying to learn. And that was just such a far-fetched thing for her. She looked at me and she said, well, you already know everything, right? I mean, mm. you did it. And it was really, to me, I was like, I was shocked that that was the mindset. I mean, someone that was an elite level lifter, it's just, she said, well, you know everything, don't you? And I was, I laughed. I don't know half of everything. I don't know a third of everything. I don't know like an 18th of everything. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I'm hungry too. I want to. I want to know all the things that there is to learn. I want the day that I die. I want to find out something new. Right. That's the thing is I just crave learning. I crave a challenge. I crave being better in every single sense. And the more that I learn, I know the better that it will help me be a better coach, be a better communicator. And so if I learn these things, it's going to help me in being all the things that I aspire to be. And so for some people, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize the importance of learning because you can do things and you don't really know what you're doing, right? You can do things, just go through the motions and hey, maybe something good happens. So then you advance to the next stage. Then maybe something else good happens. If you keep showing up, something good normally will happen, right? You just kind of have to keep showing up. But I had that conversation with her about the importance for me of learning and being better. And I could tell it didn't really resonate right because i think most of the fitness industry is like that well i know everything i can already bench 350 pounds i can already do this so i'm clearly better than anyone that does doesn't do that much Mm -hmm. i don't think that's not the way i think i and i think that's a shift that needs to happen if we want to take out some of the toxicity that's actually in the fitness industry i can look at you and say i'm better than you i can look at you and say i will beat you if you squat mm-hmm. up and you show up on the same day as me and we're training for the same competition, I will look at you dead in the face and say, you're going to lose. The reason being is because I know that I am going to put forth the work that it takes to win. I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can. And really, that's all there is to it. That's the most important thing to me. So my goal with everything is really, it sounds cheesy, but you know, the champion mindset to make the world a better, stronger place. I know how strong I am. I know that if I wanted to continue with powerlifting, I could probably squat 700 pounds, which would be really cool. I'll make my neck hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I want to be of the most value that I possibly can be. I have these experiences that have shaped my life through powerlifting. I really want to make an impact to women. That's one thing that is really powerful and important to me. Women and also people that are just a little bit different, right? So I've never really fit the mold for, you know, the perfect woman. I've never been the one that, you know, has the exact perfect body or, you know, into fitness magazines. I mean, I'm the best in the world, right? I've squatted 565, benched a ton, whatever. It really doesn't matter. But the amount of sponsorships and opportunities that I got from noticeable, you know, notable companies, I didn't get a ton. And why is that? Why is that? It's because maybe we don't really value the things that we say we value, being strength, being integrity, being courage, being really willing to do the work. Maybe we value, you know, the perfect body or the perfect tits or the, you know, whatever's marketable, whatever I can sell a product with. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the antithesis of what I want. I want people to actually be respected for the work that they do. I want people to be respected for the knowledge that they're willing to learn. I want people to actually understand the importance of being the best version of yourself, whatever that looks like, and for women to not be afraid to take up space. I never knew that I was going to be you know, a leader for women's empowerment. That wasn't necessarily my goal when I started, 
But it turns out I'm a woman. It turns out I figured out a way to really make a presence and just find a way to take up space. And it empowers other women. And to me, that's really powerful because I've never necessarily been super accepted. And even in the powerlifting realm, the things that I do, the intensity, the passion, it's all just kind of taboo. It's like, ah, that's a little bit too much, don't you think? But I think that being able to be 100% yourself, being able to be unique and authentic, that's important. And it's important to really just keep, you know, keep pushing that, keep pushing that, you know, the goal for everyone to be the best versions of themselves and not be so confused by what that looks like to other people, because that's my number one agenda is for people to be whoever they want to be absolutely full send and just not, not have any apologies about it. So I want to empower women. I want to make the world a stronger place. And I really want to really help people find that potential that they have within themselves. That's what the champion mindset podcast is all about is really just finding that potential. Because even like with you, you know, you ask me if, if you should do something, I'm going to say, go for it. I'm going to say, send it. If somebody asks me a question, I tell all my friends, if you want, if you want somebody to tell you, oh, that's not really a good idea. Oh, you should be scared of that. You probably shouldn't tell me because you're going to accidentally end up and you're going to get that master's degree. You're going to accidentally five years from now, you know, be a doctor or whatever that dream aspiration is. Hang around me long enough guess what? You're accidentally going to be like, man, I did it. Thanks so much for pushing me to do it because life is short. Life is short. And I don't think people get that. All the things you want to do, you want to start a podcast, start it. You want to build a building, build it. If you want to do something, go for it. And if it doesn't work, figure out why it didn't work, push another agenda, figure it out, do it again, do it better. And guess what? You'll find yourself along the way. And so my biggest thing We've got the podcast, we've got the training company, we've got the supplements, we've got it all, but it's really about putting a package together to help you become the best version of you. Finding that confidence, training how you need to, and then supplementing in case you know you need that as an added bonus. Yeah. Man, there's so much there. I had so many follow-up questions off of all that, but <clears throat> we'll, we'll jump on this first one here because I know this is something I really wanted to touch on. You know, we're, we're coming to the end of Pride Month, and I know you've been such an empowering voice for women, but not only for women, but also for the LGBTQ plus community. And so as you've risen to prominence and as you've really said, hey, I'm unapologetically me in every single capacity – you know, what, what's your encouragement to that community and to the marginalized communities right now, especially in the midst of, of the chaos that's going on in the U.S., to continue to just be unapologetically them and continue to, you know, just reach out and grow? This is something in a lot of other, like, thing that, hey, I had no idea that I was going to be a front runner for LGBTQ. I never knew. Like, I just was myself, right? And I like girls. So that kind of makes me gay, right? So it was, I, like, what I did, I like, it didn't have anything to do with my sexual orientation. And that was something that I thought was important. And with powerlifting, guess what? If I'm spotting somebody, they're not really going to ask, oh my God, you're gay. I don't want you to spot me. Right. Powerlifting and lifting weights is something that completely equalizes us all, right? I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care what you, what you come from. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor, gay, straight. It does not matter because if you got my back and you're spotting me, that means you're going to keep me safe. You're going to mm -hmm. make sure that I'm good. And I think if more people lifted weights, I think that racism wouldn't exist. I think if more people <laughs> yeah. lifted weights, I think all this discrimination about who everybody sleeps with, I think we'd realize that it's stupid. I think that all people, no matter where you come from, what you look like, I think that we all should have the same, you know, that, like we should all be treated the same. And I think the weight does that to us. It doesn't care who you are. It's the calm. It's the equalizer. Right. Mm -hmm. and so for me, I lifted, I trained and I just continued to show up. And the fact that I sleep with girls in my spare time really made zero impact on the people that were in my life that wanted to be there. Does that make sense? So for me, you know, I'm from South Carolina originally, and I faced a little bit of discrimination. I'm not going to lie. I don't normally talk about this stuff because, you know, what I said earlier, if you talk about it, it's not, it's not real. Yeah. But I think, I think one of those things is I haven't talked about it much because to me, it still kind of makes me feel cringy. It hurts my feelings a little bit. But in the wake of everything that's going on, I think it's important to talk about discrimination or, you know, feel like unjust, right? So I've gotten kicked out of eating establishments before, you know, being there with my girlfriend. Like, this is a family establishment. Oh, okay. Well, I guess my gay money isn't good enough for you, right? So 
a lot of, you know, I hope their business shut down because game money don't pay the bills apparently. But yeah, you think about that, like I've faced discrimination before. I'm from the South. I'm from the Bible Belt. The only reason why I got, you know, a little bit of street cred is because I took my grandma to church as long as she could go. And I guess they were like, oh, well, if she's, you know, she's gay, but if she takes care of our grandma like that, she can't be that bad, right? Like gay people might not be that big of a deal. And so it's just kind of something that's been a, a looming issue for me, you know, going out public, tattoos, being gay. I didn't really care. It was one of those things that I am who I am. I'm going to take up space and I don't really care what you have to say about it. Because once I realized that there were people out there that were shallow enough to discriminate based on who I slept with or what color I was or tattoos on my arms or anything like that, I realized that that's not somebody that I really want in my life. So I distanced myself from that. I pretty much when I was training, I didn't have a lot of people around me because I was very, very intentional with where I shared my energy. And I wasn't going to share my energy with people that were going to try to tear me down. And that's something that's super important. I'm not going to even bother wasting my time fighting with trolls or people on the Internet because I am gay. Right. Because I do look more masculine. You know, oh, is that a man or is that a woman? It, I mean, it still hurts. I'm a girl. I have feelings. But guess what? It's really where you direct that energy to. And if you let people break you down and keep you down there, then it's really going to hold you back. You have to just be willing to look at that and be like, "Mm, not worth it and keep on moving. And that's just one of those things that you're going to see over time. Some things still bother me. Some things still hurt. And they probably always will sting a little bit because nobody likes to hear nasty things about themselves. But you have to be strong enough to really know who you are, look in the mirror and be like, (laughs) I look good and I don't care what Joe Blow has to say or I look good. And Joe Blow is just mad because I'm about to take his girlfriend. Just like <laughs> and so it's really one of those things like you have to find that self-awareness that you don't care what the world thinks because we do. Most of us really actually do. We can say we don't. We can post on Instagram and say, I do my thing and I don't care regardless. But in reality, most of us care a lot more than what we say we do. So if you find that self, if you find that peace within yourself and you know that who you are is good, if it's all around a net good, then you're going to really just be able to make a good influence and just keep on moving forward positively because being gay or straight, black or white, it's really just a detail and not necessarily the whole thing. So if you really just think about what you're trying to do and keep doing that, don't let anything hold you back from it. And if you ever feel like you're in an environment where you can't be yourself or you can't grow, remove yourself from it. And that's the best advice that I can have. And I'll say happy end of happy pride month for all my fellow LGBTQ, whatever we are out there, guys, just be yourself. And I hope you guys have had a fantastic month. Wear some rainbow. Yeah. Also backtracking a little bit. I know you mentioned, you know, you got a little bit of street cred by taking your grandmother to church. And and I know you just had such an incredible relationship with your grandmother. I know weekly I'd see the pictures you going to visit her and everything. So, you know, going all the way back to the beginning Mm -hmm. before you started powerlifting, before you knew that you were just going to become an absolute animal, you know, you're just little Stacy running around South Carolina. How did it all start? Like, what did it look like for your family to be supporting you as you even began to realize who you were going to become? I mean, I, I grew up in the country, right? I grew up, I, I had no idea what lifting weights was, but I knew that I worked. And like, if dad wanted me to do something, I would be out in the metal shop. I'd be welding. I'd be carrying, you know, metal rods. I'd be loading corn. Like, I mean, like throw like the first time I ever deadlift, it, I think I pulled 265 and it was the first time I'd ever deadlifted before, touched a bar. And I was like, that's it. I was like, this is easy. Like I just, I just stand here with it. Like I don't have to throw it over my shoulder and walk with it. I I did functional strength. That was country strong, right? That's how I got strong. Mm -hmm. I just did work, physical labor. I was, you know, I loved it. That's one thing still to this day. I love physical labor. I love sweating. I love doing things that are hard. And that just really is part of me. But so I started off just being country strong. And my dad obviously encouraged that. He wanted sons, but he didn't get any. So he got me and that's about as close to it, but he encouraged me. He, you know, liked me lifting weights. My mom never lifted weights. My dad, like my mom or dad, my dad weighs about 110 pounds soaking wet. That's why I got some little small legs. And I mean, I thought, <laughs> the last time I was with my dad, I talked to him and I was like, Hey dad, I was like, thanks for those little legs you gave me. He was like, 
Baby, you've done pretty good with yours, I'd say. (laughs) I did what I can, you know. So my dad's always been encouraging, but like nobody in my family ever lifted. Like nobody in my family ever, uh, it just wasn't a thing. So it's something that I found within myself. And I started reading bodybuilding magazines when I was young, right? I I remember seeing bodybuilding magazines and I was like, oh man, I want to do that. Like I'm really interested in that. That seems really cool to me. And it seemed cool to me that there was, this physique or this body that was attainable. If I did this set workout, these sets and these reps, I was like, this is the result that I can get if I do this. And you know how they'd always put their workouts, their diets, even if it was true or false, I would see that and I would say, okay, well, this is an attainable goal that I can achieve. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And so I really, I thrive off of that. I thrive off of setting goals and having set structure. And then, you know, thinking that there's going to be a goal in the future so my dad really was like, he was supportive of that. Um, I don't really, my mom, she's not very supportive in anything. I haven't talked to her in probably six years. So the last thing we talked about, she said I was a selfish fitness freak. Mm. So that was a tough moment for me is, you know, I had to separate and distance myself from my own mom. But that's one of those things that if your environment is not going to be conducive to your growth, if people are not going to support you, regardless blood whatever it is if you're not going to support me and you're not going to help me along the way then guess what you know let's say oh that's your mom or oh that's your person it really doesn't matter because at the end of the day you have to look out for you um my grandma and my grandpa though they're they're my number one the lights of my life um my grandpa's actually the one he's the one that i probably he's the smartest man i know he only, only graduated the fourth grade i believe but smartest man i know because if he wanted to learn something he'd figure it out Mm-hmm. You know, do electrical work, you do plumbing, he could do any kind of physical labor. And I gravitated towards that. Uh, I went, I went to master, I went to go get my master's at USC in Columbia after I graduated from Coker. I played college ball and everybody was like super supportive of that because I was good. You know, I was good. I, you know, that's the first thing that I was really good at and enjoyed. And after I got done playing ball, that was when I was like, okay, well, what's next? You know, I have to have something. And so I went to take my master's and that's when I was in Columbia is when I first started powerlifting because I met Donnie Thompson. But um, I dropped out of my master's program because my grandpa had his first stroke and he had his first stroke. And I really just felt that I needed to be home. I needed to be there to help take care of him because my grandma was still working at the time. I think she was like maybe 79, 80 and she was still working and she didn't want to quit work. So I came back home and I took care of him. I stayed with my grandparents for you know, until he had his second stroke and he ended up passing away. But he was the biggest inspiration in my entire life because after my very first powerlifting meet, um, very first powerlifting meet, so it was 2014, I came back and I was just a kid, right? I mean, I was like, hey, Papa, I was like, I totaled 810 and apparently somebody had DM'd me or messaged me and said, this is 10 pounds off of a world record. Like, you're so close to it. This is your first like meet you ever done. I was amped about it. I was like, world record. I was like, say word. I had no idea that this was like a junior federation world record, you know, super right. specific <clears throat> world record. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm kind of good at this. So I told my grandpa, I said, um, and this is, I've told this story before, but it still, it still feels the same every time I say it. I said, Papa, I said, you know, I'm 10 pounds off of a world record. Can you believe that? And he looked at me and he said, of course I can believe it, Stacey. You're the strongest woman in the world. And I still get chill bumps every time I say it, but it, obviously he did not mean what I did, right? Like I <laughs> yeah. way too far. Like I went, like he said this and I was like, hmm, obviously he didn't think or say, you know, that I was going to be the best powerlifter in the world. But in my mind, I internalized, you're the strongest woman in the world. Yeah. The idea that someone believed that I was the strongest woman in the world and I knew that I could be because like grandparents don't lie. Like old people don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe my grandma was like, you're not fat. You're just husky. Occasionally. <laughs> like after she told me to go have another strawberry shortcake, you know, after that, other than that, like old people don't lie. So I was like, I took it for truth and I took it to heart. And that really was my driving motivational factor for the entire powerlifting journey was I wanted to prove him right. Because there's been a ton of people in my life who have, you know, said I'd never be anything. Say I wasn't smart enough. Say I was, you know, my mom said I was a fitness freak. I was just so selfish and I probably wouldn't make anything, right? Maybe I wasn't smart enough. Maybe I wouldn't, you know, you're not making any money doing that. Why are you doing it? 
But instead of worrying, because this is where I think people mess up, instead of worrying about proving other people wrong, I worried about proving one person right. I worried about proving the person that believed in me that said I was the strongest woman in the world. I believed in proving that true. And I spent my entire powerlifting career to say that I was the strongest woman in the world. And I proved that. And so my grandpa, he obviously had no idea that that was how I was going to take it and mean it, but it just really planted the seed in me. And that was one of my first affirmations was that I am the strongest woman in the world. And so it started as that. And my grandma, she, she never really understood necessarily. Like, you know, she thought, are you going to go lift them weights? And I was like, hey, grandma, I'm going to go lift them weights. Well, I don't want you to get hurt. And I, that was really the extent of it. I would do the things. I'd come back. Sometimes I'd have the bloodshot eyes from squatting too hard. She, Baby, you, are you okay? I mean, like, she was supportive because she knew it made me happy. And she knew the connection that I had with Papa. And she knew vaguely the connection there, even if it didn't necessarily make a ton of sense. She supported me because she knew that I was a little bit crazy, right? Like, that I've always been just incredibly driven. If I wanted something, I was going to get it. And so my dad and my grandma both supported me along the way because they didn't understand it, but they knew how much it meant to me. And I think that's something that people people don't realize, right? There may be people out there that don't necessarily understand what you're doing. They might not support you completely, but if they see you care about something, that's going to make them under that's going to make them understand it more. That's going to give them a grasp. If there's something that you cannot stop talking about, guess what? You're going to prove to these people, okay, that's really important to her. That clearly, I have no idea what it is, but that's clearly important to her. And so if you just keep on bringing that passion and bringing that intensity to yourself and to your life, no matter what that is, you're going to get somewhere and you're going to make an impact on people that are around you. Because I, like, there were times I cried. I cried, like, I cried to my, like, my dad isn't really a feelings dude, but I cried to my grandma all the time. We'd talk about stuff. I just be like, I'm just trying so hard and you know, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And she'd be like, well, just keep going. And that's the thing is like no understanding, no comprehension. But if you care about something, the people that care about you are going to interns just really start supporting you if they're supposed to be in your life. So keeping your circle close. And even if that was for me, my grandparents, my dad, and that's probably you know, my coach and that's about it. But it's important. It's important to make sure that the people that are around you are influencing you positively. And that's how it started out for me was, you know, I was just country strong and I've always been incredibly driven. And if I want something, I'm going to get it. And there's really no in between. If I say that I'm going to do something, it's done. You can already consider it done. It might, I don't know how long it's going to take, but that's something that throughout my life, it's been just pre, you know, preached to me that if you, if you, like my dad has always said, be like a woman of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. I don't care how long it takes or how hard it is. If you say you're going to do it, you better do it because then you're establishing who you are. You're setting that baseline and then nothing else is less than that is acceptable. And so people know they can trust you. People know they can count on you whenever you show up, just like you say you do. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that prove them right mentality, <clears throat> because even in the last month, uh, I interviewed a guy, Matt Mitchell, uh, who actually just squatted a thousand something pounds for the first time at his meet, like two days ago, which is incredible. But his, his mindset was the same. It's proven right. He goes, there's always going to be people that are watching you to fail. Like they're, they're waiting, they're sitting there, they're watching the videos, they're sending it to their friends and, and they're waiting for you to fail. He goes, man, if I, if I waste my whole life trying to prove those people wrong, like I'm going to be so cynical and angry all the time. He goes, but no, he's like, I know that my wife, I know that my kids, I know that my parents want me to succeed. He goes, and that matters so much more to me than Joe Schmo in the comments with an anonymous Instagram account commenting, your squat was high, you know? And so the fact that you, that you mentioned that, I was like, man, that I really took that to heart. And so the fact that you brought it up again means maybe I should take it to heart even more <laughs> because it keeps bringing from. But so many people think about that in the opposite way that if I can prove all these people wrong, then I'm going to feel so empowered. I'm going to feel so good. But we don't really value their opinion, right? Like when we go to sleep at night, we shouldn't be thinking about what Joe Schmo on the internet is commenting to us. It's about the people that you're sleeping next to. It's about the people that have been around you and supporting you. And if you think about just the negative, 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 then that's what's going to manifest in your life versus if you think about the positives and if you think about the people that you want to prove right, like I want to make this person proud. 
at the end of the day, the main thing is I want to make this person proud. I want to make myself proud because if I make myself proud, then that's going to make everybody around me proud as well. And even by not saying anything, the people that said, oh, well, she'll never do it. Y'all quiet now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all quiet, aren't you? Like, oh, for real? You don't even have to say anything. And that's what I think real strength is. I don't have to say anything, right? When I competed at the Arnold, nobody even knew I was doing it. That was the biggest like slide in there was I knew I talked to Trevor about it. And I was like, I want to go out like that. Like I want to do it at the XPC. I'm not going to lie. Monolift is a little bit helpful. So let's just be real with it. I was like, I'm trying to squat the most I possibly can. Put me in a monolift. Let's do it at the Arnold. And there was also a 148 competitor that was supposed to be showing up there. And she had had a couple things to say about this. is the first time I've ever really talked about this. But she had had a couple things to say on the internet about me and about, you know, oh, I'm the best in the world. I got a lot of flack about that. And now that you know, this came from something, a conversation I had with my grandpa. So the best in the world was not, it wasn't an ego thing. It really wasn't. A lot of people think, oh, well, she is so cocky. It had nothing to do with that. And that's why you should stay in your lane, mind your business and lift your own weights. And then you don't have to say nothing. But she had been talking a little bit, you know, just chirping around. I don't say nothing. I just make moves. And so I decided that I was going to do the Arnold instead of the Kern. I didn't say anything on Instagram. I didn't really tell anybody. And my current sponsor at the time, he was, um, he was, you know, knew the meet director. And he was like, keep her name off the roster. He was like, we're signing up. Keep her name off the roster. He kept my name off the roster. I made weight and I showed up and dominated. And the girl that was supposed to compete against me, the one that had been talking trash, she didn't even show up in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it was really a, like it, it didn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. None of the other people ever even matter. It matters what you're doing. It matters the moves that you're making. And you don't have to answer to anyone else. If you're doing what you think is right, if you're showing up every single day, you don't have to tell all your haters. They'll see. They'll see for themselves. And guess what? I did it. Can and will. And then I dipped out. And everybody's like, oh, she was for real. Okay. Respect. So it's just one of those things. You just got to keep doing your thing and you focus on whatever really drives you. And for me, that's helping people. That's being the best version that I can be. That doesn't have anything to do with proving little small dick guys that I can squat more than them. I I don't really care. And I know I can, so not my problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of on that, um, kind of flesh this out a little bit more. I mean, we have seen this rise in the self-love movement, you know, where increasingly people are becoming more confident in themselves. They're realizing, Hey, I'm in my lane. I'm pursuing what I want. Is there an unhealthy level to that as well that we're seeing? Or would you say, Hey, no, as long as you know, you're doing what you're doing, run with it. I mean, I say there's always an unhealthy level to everything, right? Because, uh, Self-love, I think some people in just a different sense, some people categorize self-love as, you know, no judgment on anything. They can look Mm -hmm. hard if they want to. They can take up as much space as they want to. But it gives them a caveat to not get better. It gives them a caveat to, well, I am perfect the way I am, which is true, which is so very true. But the reality of the situation is if you're not healthy or if you are not taking care of your mental health, if you're not doing all these things to be better in a sense, that's not necessarily a form of self-love. So you have to actually be real with yourself and cut the crap sometimes because self-love can also look like self-sabotage if you're not intentional with what you're doing. And that is really important. So I think for me, I, I wouldn't say what I did with competing was a form of self-love because I, had, I was just driven. I was driven. I had a goal and I remained true to myself. But as far as if that was self-love or not, it wasn't because I put myself in a compromised mental state, right? I put myself in a compromised mental state in order to achieve this goal. It was probably the opposite of self-love. What I do now on a daily basis, that is self-love. That is taking care of myself. That's getting out of bed. That's getting moving. That's filling my health with positive affirmations. That's self-love. Staying in your lane is definitely self-love. Like learning, like getting more and more knowledge it's, you know, it can be positive, but it can also be negative. It's all about what your intentions are behind it. And I think self-care and self-appreciation, those are some things that should be at the core with most people, but they're not. And so we need to just get a, a base level of those first to actually take care of yourself, not be so consumed with the outside world, but also you don't need to use it as an excuse not to be better because you think you're already the best. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. And and I know, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Are you you may be ordained by yeah, the minister. I am. So, <clears throat> which I, I thought I had stumbled across. I told someone, I was like, I think she's ordained. They're like, I don't know. And I was like, so I'm, I'm glad we confirmed that. So one of my favorite questions to ask people, and I know you are someone that really values Podcast with Reverend Bama Burr, please. Yes, Reverend Bama Burr is in the house. Uh, <laughs> if you need any weddings done, by all means, call her up. That's They'll me. lift weights during the wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I know you really approach things with a holistic mindset. Um, the importance of of mental health and energy, and making sure you're grounding yourself. And so, one of my favorite questions to ask everyone is, you know, what role has your own personal faith played into your training, your relationships, and your worldview? I grew up, I mean, I'll just start from the top. I grew up in the South, uh, Southern Baptist, right? So I grew up and I grew up in church and I read the, I've read the Bible. I've t- did devotionals. I love the Lord. I love God. And I think that as I've gotten older, I think that I've seen a little bit more and more with my own experience, how sometimes people can confuse religion and faith with mm-hmm. things that aren't necessarily what it's all about, right? I think that it's not necessarily just about the exact text that's in the book. I think it's about what you're trying to do, right? What you're trying to do with the world and the type of person that you're trying to be into the world. You remember, I think, uh, you know, I started off, I had Sunday episodes, Church with Bama, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, part of that is not necessarily, as I've gotten older, I was I wasn't really accepted so much in the Southern Baptist world because I am a lesbian and that obviously brings about some complications with, you know, arms full of tattoos and I don't necessarily fit that bill. But right. so I broke away a little bit from that hard line of thinking that church has to be within walls. And so for me, I think church is wherever you are. I think church, I think this is your temple. I think your body is your temple and that should be your church. And so when you're trying thinking about self-improvement, that's one of these things where it kind of blends in together. Your faith within yourself is going to come from something deeper. It's going to come from, you know, your commitments that you have to being the best version of yourself. But that it also comes from what opportunities we are granted with every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that we really bring that back sometimes and we're not as appreciative and gra- like, you know, have those feelings of gratitude I know where my faith lies and I know that in the deeper purpose of everything, I know that I'm here for a purpose. And so that has really helped me with all these things because I struggle with things just like anyone else. But my faith in myself and my faith outside, it's really what's helped me just stay committed to the process. Because sometimes when, you know, you get a low point, say, what am I even doing? You know, I'm not powerless anymore. What am I even doing? You're trying to make an impact. You're trying to change the world. And that's something that is, it's hard to do by yourself without a little bit of faith. And so once upon a time, I used to want to be a youth pastor. That's a true statement. Um, But then I realized that maybe that wasn't the right fit for me. And I was discouraged from uh, being a minister of any type or a pastor because of my sexuality. So Mm -hmm. I really just changed basically what, what did I want from that? What did I want to be as a youth pastor? I wanted to help young people. I wanted to lead young people to start to believe in themselves, to believe in something, right? And what is that that I'm trying to get them to believe in? More than just what they're told. And so I've expanded my knowledge base. I've expanded. I'm learning constantly. And I'm always, like you said, with a holistic approach, trying to figure out what exactly that looks like, what exactly other people's faith is, and how can I share my faith with other people without beating them over the head with the Bible? And so this is one of those things with the champion mindset, with all of my things towards personal development, I encourage people to really uh, analyze their faith. What is their faith and what is their faith in? And so sometimes really that's the best way to teach people. And that's the best way to show people is to let them learn themselves. And so for me, I wanted to be a youth pastor because I wanted to have the option to lead and to, you know, influence young people, youth and help them without, you know, all those troubles sometimes. But I found that in all the other things that I'm doing, that it doesn't necessarily have to be within a church or within a church setting. I'm a coach. And so guess what? Part of that is being able to make an influence, being able to make an impact, being able to help people kind of decipher through their good feelings, their bad feelings, all the things that they have in their minds. And so that's part of what I was looking for with that, you know, with that profession. I found it in other, in other professions. And I found that, you know, as a, basically a platform or a pillar in my life, that's really stayed the same, but it's just, 
the way that I, you know, bring it to people, it's nowhere near as daunting or scary or, you know, as like basically labeled as what most people, when they think of faith or most people, when they think of a religion, they think of all these rules and these hard lines. And I want to bring it to be something a little bit different than that. I just want you to have faith in something and really believe in that and just keep moving forward. Whatever drives you to be your best version of yourself, that's what I want people to believe in. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting you mentioned, you know, you don't want to bash people over the head with the Bible. You know, every person I've chatted with, you know, they've all kind of said, wow, like, you're not, you're not judging me for giving you a weird answer. Like I had a guy who, you know, Satanist, Buddhist, Hindu, I mean, everybody on this show. And, and I think that's what's so great about the fitness industry is it is. It's this same back to the very beginning of this episode. It's this plethora of people who are all joined together by weight. Um, and they're like, man, like you're a Christian, but you're not like judging me for this. And I was like, yeah, because the people who are judging you for what you're doing aren't Christians. They've just grown up and they've gotten stuck in the religious Pharisee mindset that even the Christian faith Jesus was dealt with. And so I'm like, no, man, like I believe that every single person, regardless of race, creed, religion, whatever, has something positive to offer the world. And it's important for them to tap into that. And far be it from me as just a random guy to assume that I'm higher than anyone else, like, mm your faith is wrong because no, I'm 22 years. Old. Who, who am I to say anything? You know, here's the thing. What is right and what is wrong? And who is to say that the thing that I believe that's different from the thing that you believe in, who's to say what is right or wrong? Who's to say that maybe we're not both right. Who's to say that maybe, you know, I want to learn about more. Like you think differently than me. Please tell me why I'll change my mind. And that's the thing that like people are so scared to change that they stay in these same fixed mindsets and that's what really hinders them along the way, because they think that this is the absolute ultimate. And that's one thing I think with people with the Bible, they get so horrible. Like, Stacey, did you read the part where it says that being gay is a sin? Newsflash, there are a lot of things that are a sin. Yeah. Am I going to be judged? Like, here's my thing that I've always thought about. It's always been something with my, you know, that I've struggled with because I'm gay. I at one point wanted to be a youth pastor at one point, you know, but then what is this, you know, this confrontation? Well, am I going to be judged at the end of time? Am I going to be judged for loving one of one of another God's creatures, or am I going to be judged for hating? Am I going to be judged more so for you know not being true to myself, or am I going to be judged for living a lie? And so there are all these things and these different questions of morality that I think some people who have never they've stayed in the speaks mindset. You ask them these questions, they don't know how to answer it because all they have is, oh well, this is right, this is wrong. And you can't live life and think that you are you are right all the time. Like you think you're right and a Buddhist is not. You think that you're right, but there's no truth to anything else. That's a, a terrible existence to not to think that you're always right. I, I want to be wrong and I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. And I want you to expand my knowledge base. Like if I still had the same fixed mindset on what I thought, you know, organized religion was, I'd probably be so anti-religion because of the negative experiences that I've had. Because you walk into a door and people are like, oh, my God, she's going to burst in flames because she's a lesbian. And so far, so good. You know, yeah. like if I had stayed in that fixed this is what Christianity is. This is what religion is. This is what church is. If I just stayed in that fixed mindset, I never would have understood that my actual church is right here with me. You know, so it's like you have to be willing to grow. And that's in so many different aspects. That's in your faith. That's in your, you know, your fitness. That's in your career. That's in your entire life. If you stay fixed and you just think that this is the right way, this is the way, the truth, the light, and that's it. You're That's going to be a boring existence for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a couple more lighthearted questions for you, um, because this is, this is really where I feel like I get the meat of the heart of, you know, all these athletes. The question that I love, it's my personal favorite. And it was the ironic question for the first two seasons is the name of the podcast, of course, is faith, fitness, and French toast. Mm -hmm. And for the first two seasons, I never brought up food at any given point in the intro. I'd be like, Oh, we talk about late night snacks and I never brought it up. And so my mom listened to an episode she was like, Moses, you didn't bring up food. And so she said, you have to start bringing up food. I was like, all right. So if my mom's listening to this, mom, I'm asking this question for you. So from my mom to you, Stacy, what would you say your all-time favorite breakfast food is and why? Oh, my God. You want the 100% all-time favorite breakfast food is a bagel sandwich, specifically made by one of my homegirls, Ana Perez. The reason being she knows how to cook 
And anytime I'm over at her place, she always makes me feel just great. Like she's great to be around and she can cook. And so the food just automatically has a little bit of love in it. Mm -hmm. So she makes a bagel sandwich and puts uh, it's a bagel and she put turkey bacon on it. Uh, some like, I think eggs and cheese. It's nothing like mind blowing, but it's just made with love. And she's my homegirl. And every time I go, she's uh, out of like basically DC. And so anytime I go up to DC, she always makes me a bagel sandwich. And it's just like one of our things. I love food in general. So, but that's my like actual heartfelt favorite thing. I love pancakes too. That was like my refeed key to everything. I eat some pancakes right after you weigh in. That's the big belly filler up. Yeah. Fried rice for the rest of the day. But bagel sandwich made by Ana Perez. Shout out to my girl. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you didn't say French toast. I mock everyone that says French toast. I say they do it just because of the podcast name. So because I know Andrew Herbert's going to listen to this because he tagged me in his story, my French toast is better than his 100% of the time. Uh, but he he answered French toast. He goes, French toast and then looks at me. He goes, I said it because I'm on the podcast. So I'm glad I'm glad you said bagel sandwich instead. That's that's a good answer. I mean, like for sure, but like I normally macro-wise, it doesn't make sense for me. Like pancakes is one that I can kind of get behind, you know what I'm saying? Like farm, throw that Walden farm syrup on it. Boy, it's a good day, but like French toast. Back in the day, Burger King, you know the French toast sticks? Yeah. Oh yeah. That used to be the move when I was a kid. So I'll give you that. But other than that, as an adult, I'll let you have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll leave it to me me and Andrew. Um, well, so one of kind of the, the the quirky elements of your page is every time you see a dog, you have a very specific reaction. What uh-huh. is that reaction? And why is that kind of become one of the Bama-isms, as it were? Oh, my God. So anytime I see a dog, excuse me, excuse me, what doing? And I can't really tell you where this started, to be honest with you. Like, I can't really tell you how it started, but it just became a thing, you know, because everybody has their dog voice. Like, I don't care who you are. Do you have a dog voice? Uh, kind of. It depends on if the dog's mine or okay. if it's another person's dog. Okay, well, they don't want to, like, walk up to a person and be like, oh, hey. And then they're like, dude, you're 6'2 and 270 pounds. Like, why are you why are you doing that like that? But if it's my dog, yeah, of course. See, I kind of threw that out the window because that was my thing is like, I don't like Jill has dogs. I don't have dogs. So when I started spending more time with Jill's dogs, I started seeing like, oh, okay, I love dogs. This is fun. This is great. So anytime I travel, I would find just, I love dogs. And so I'd travel and I'd play a game. I'd be like, how many dogs can I find today? Or like, how many, (laughs) excuse me, can I do it a day? And so I'd start just every time I'd find a dog, excuse me. And so I'd just be walking down the jack, just stack little kid you know, walking down the road and I'll just see somebody in their random little Toto dog and I'll be like, Excuse me. <laughs> and everybody's just like, uh I'm like big enough that they're like, eh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say nothing. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah. He walking. So it's just that's my response to all doggos is skew me. And it's just been great. I have no idea how it started, but I'm gonna do it forever until I die. I have a collection on my page. If you guys don't know what like what we're talking about, I have like a little circle, the highlights on my page. You can watch a bunch of my excuse me's, and definitely I'm gonna have to get back in business with it because quarantine's kind of mm-hmm. excuse me's down a little bit, and I gotta get that quota back up because you know what time it is content maybe. <laughs> so yeah we, we got to find out the relatable content you'll see the dogs they're gonna follow they're gonna like i mean everybody yeah, loves a dog. love dogs so uh, we don't deserve dogs dogs we are, really don't and they're always excited to see you they always love you like you can scold them or whatever and then five minutes later they're like um you still mad mom and you're like yeah oh, no i love you okay <laughs> Yeah, I, I pulled in last night and, and the, the road trip wasn't long, but I was tired and I walked in and I almost completely forgot the dog was going to be there because I just kind of, you know, that zombie mode after you've been driving, I like yeah. walk in, drop my bags on on the floor and Skipper just comes out of nowhere. He's like jumping up and I was like, all right, all all is right with the world. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, it's really hard. Like I found there are two things that I just really love and I've really leaned into the fact that I love them after like, I, you know, retired from powerlifting. I love riding my bike. Like I ride my bike every single morning and that is the best start to my day. If any of you guys are in any kind of funk, you like just kind of feel gross. I'm telling you, start off your morning moving. And if you have a bike, start off your morning with a bike ride. 12 out of 10. I wish I'd have started doing this sooner because it's fantastic. So, and the other key is to say, excuse me to all the dogs. Those are the number two things because 
if you get up, you start moving, you're going to feel better. You're going to be happier. And it's really hard, really, really hard to be upset or in a bad mood if there is an adorable dog near you. So I'm just telling you, these are the facts. <laughs> well, uh, you know, last question I got for you, you know, the, the world almost feels like it's kind of shifting towards more normal post pandemic, you know, gyms are reopening. I was finally able to start training again a couple of weeks ago and remember how much strength I've lost, you know, over the course, course of the last four months. Keep on talking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, just so weak. Just kidding. Um, you know, as, as gyms reopen, as people jump back into prepping for competitions, um, you know, kind of a two-parted question. One, you know, what's next for you? You know, what's upcoming this year? I know the showdown meet, uh, I don't know if that's still happening on time or whether that's been pushed back. Um, and, and secondly, you know, for people that are jumping back in, what's your encouragement for them as they start moving forward again after probably sitting down and watching Netflix for the last four months? Well, the showdown meet is still planning on tentatively happen, and that's all. Everything is all tentative for pretty much all the rest of the year. That's what I've told a lot of my clients, you know, because my I got clients that have been supposed to compete, or you know, things have been rescheduled, and so just everything is kind of tentative now. So just keep keep up with your training, keep up with your training, and make sure you're taking care of yourself. That's the number one thing: is make sure you're taking care of yourself, um, in physically, mentally, and in all ways. Uh, meets and stuff, they may happen this year. They may not happen this year. I've seen a lot that have gotten canceled or postponed and we're kind of in a really weird spot. I mean, especially I'm in Florida too. So we opened up, but now things may be escalating a little more. And so things may shut back down. So we don't really know. So I think with that, not knowing that gives a ton of people anxiety and they don't really have that structure that I talked about earlier and something to train for or plan for. I say just continue to train for these meets as if, as if they were going to happen and then just make sure that you're adhering to the things that help you, right? And so if your gym does shut back down by chance, I, you know, my thing is just keep training. Keep training because that was one thing for me. I'm, I'm a personal trainer. I mean, I'm a powerlifting coach, but I've been a personal trainer since I could basically walk, I guess, you know? And so I had a ton of fun just making at-home workouts. And I know it sounds kind of gross because everybody's like, ugh, at-home workouts suck. Yeah. I had a ton of fun. It was getting creative. It was doing something that I hadn't done in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So even if your gym's closed down, that doesn't mean that you have to close down shop. You know, oh, well, I'm going to lose all my gains. Start doing something. Start moving. Keep moving. And so the thing about, I think there was a study, uh, me and my girls from Female Strength Academy were, you know, doing a little bit of research on it. And when you have to take off from the gym and, you know, a level of detrained in like a, it, whatever, like an intermediate style athlete or something, it takes maybe six weeks after being off. I think the study was like maybe 24, 30 weeks after being off. It takes like six weeks to get back into where you were before. So it's really having a little bit, you're not going to get to the point where you're not going to lose all your gains, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get back in there, just remember that and be patient with yourself. You haven't lost all your gains. You have probably just lost that, you know, connection of, you know, your CNS probably isn't firing quite the same. So the stuff that was just previously in routine, it might feel heavy or all these things. Get out of your own way, get out of your head and just show up every single day. And in a couple of weeks, you'll probably back to, you know, back where you were before or even better. And it's just going to take a little bit of time just to get back in the groove because we're starting the car. We're basically cold start, right? Mm -hmm time it's not warming up so we're cold starting the car we got some ice on the front of it so you might have to take a little bit more time to get back to it but as soon as as soon as you get back in that groove it'll be fine and if everything does shut back down then guess what we're going to go back to what we did before but also we've done this once now so kind of this is one thing i have seminars on pretty much every weekend or something like that with my girls from female strength academy and one of the topics that we covered was okay this was really hard. A lot of people are struggling with the fact that, oh, I'm not where I used to be or like I've lost so much strength. Like what you're talking about, you know, I'm so weak now. What, what do I do? Okay, well, we know what to do now. So if things go back, this isn't going to be our first rodeo. This for most of us, especially the younger generation, was probably one of the more challenging things that we have ever had to do in our lives, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are a lot of hard things, obviously, we've overcome, but something like this in a, this pandemic situation the way that we've responded to it, now you know. Hopefully you've learned a little bit from it, so apply it. So apply that to your life as we're moving forward. If we shut back down again, 
If you didn't get the best out of your, you know, quarantine gains or whatever that looks like, if you didn't develop a routine, if you kind of just pouted and, you know, felt sorry for yourself and it didn't really turn out well, maybe if something happens different this time, if you change that, then you'll have a better outcome and you'll be in a better position when we get back out. So, I mean, that's the whole main thing is just keeping a positive head on your shoulders and remember that the things that you're doing every single day, they are adding up to your tomorrows. So if you're upset and you're like, I can't do this, I can't do that, you're not focusing on the things that you can do. So remember, focusing on the can-dos is much more important than focusing on the can'ts. Yep. Well, folks, this was just a great conversation with Stacy Burr. You can find her on Instagram at Bama Burr. And if you're looking for a great team to join, you can DM her for info on Bama Brick Squad. Hyperion Sports Nutrition's full lineup is online, and you can access all your supplement needs right in her bio. Be sure to check out the Champion Mindset podcast on Spotify or iTunes to hear more from Stacy. And if you loved that episode and you're craving just a little bit more from me and my guests, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Or you can visit us on Instagram at Faith underscore Fitness underscore podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for the upcoming season. We have an exciting lineup for the season, so don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you July 7th with Coach Justin Dubs at 12 p.m. Eastern Time.